Hi, this is Jay. Quick disclaimer before we start the Cry Podcast. In this episode, we talk about our individual experiences with drugs, psychiatric care, and therapy. All opinions expressed are our own and don't reflect the collective viewpoints of Cry or CRC. That being said, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we are the Creative Resilient Youth Group, and this is our first podcast. So before we begin, we're going to introduce ourselves. So we're going to go around the Zoom call and basically say our names and kind of a little bit about ourselves and our connection with Cry. So I'll pass it off to Alana to start. Hi, my name is Alana, um, and I'm a first year uh, teen in the Creative Resilient Youth Collective. And um, I think Cry is a place where I can just talk about my art honestly and talk about the emotional states um, in which that I make. Hi. I'm Andre. This is my second year of CRY, and part of the reason why I joined in the first place was because I never really had an opportunity to talk about my mental health openly, so CRY was kind of an outlet for me to do that. In my 12 years of public education, I never really had a classroom environment to openly talk about my feelings, so this was a way for me to openly do that and have a safe haven of people to support me. Hi. I'm Arden. Um, I'm a first year CRY teen. Um, and I joined CRY um, because I wanted to know other people my age who were um, serious about art and, and wanted to talk about their mental health. Um, and I just wanted, um, I guess, more friends to make art with. Hey, I'm Jay. Um, I'm a CRY Year 2 member. I joined CRY because I felt it was a a nice support system to have and it was a reassuring group with people that can understand the things that I'm going through or see my um, mindset creatively and I thought it was a good outlet for me to um, join so yeah. Hi I'm Lucy. Um, I joined Cry because I thought it would be really good for people to come together and make art together and discuss what they need in their own lives without being judged whatsoever and it's just a really beautiful program and I need to get a part of that. <laughs> I'm Mimi. Um, I'm a first year and uh, I joined Cry because like I needed to come out of my box. Like I needed to be a part of something and I really feel like Cry was that thing. Like it's it's a place where I can go and make art with really cool people who go through a lot of the same things that I do. Hi, I'm Nat. Um, I am a second year CRY member and I joined it during the beginning of my senior year. And I joined because CRY felt like a space that uh, was finally receiving the things that I always felt like I had to say or the work I wanted to make. And the collective part of it really helped me like blossom in a way that I never expected. Um, Cry just felt like a home immediately with everybody there having the same intentions. We were just really, really lucky to have each other. My name is Michael Resendez and uh, well, I don't know where to start, but basically what I really want to do myself is start a fashion career with all of me and some of my friends. I mean, we got everything planned out, but we just have to like work and with all this Corona, we really can't do anything. But I'm right here with uh with y'all in this in this program 
that has been giving me hope. Nah, more than hope. Like, y'all have been not only supporting me, but seeing me, like, grow from going to a wheelchair to finally walking. And yesterday was my last day of therapy. Now I could finally run. And uh, I'm just ready to see you guys. But since this whole corona fucking everybody up, I don't think I'm going to see y'all for a good until, like, what, fall? Well, I don't want to say fall because I want to have a summer, so I really don't know. But, yeah, uh, I'm an artist here and a creator and, and cry. And I'm happy to be with y'all. Y'all gave, y'all gave me more than hope. Nah, I thought you were really sobbing there for a second. I was like, oh, my God. Nah, bro, I was just, my heart, my heart. So who is Cry? Um, the first years, including me, Jay, and Natalie, we are going to talk about basically the background of Cry and how it started in the first place. So Cry has been around since November 2017. And since then, we've worked in a group of like 10 teens, a team-led collective in curating sort of a program where students can have the opportunity to openly discuss their mental health and also utilize their artwork to talk about it, which is a topic that teens don't normally have an opportunity to talk about rather than adults that don't really have much experience with it. So I'm gonna pass it off to Nat to talk more about it. So when we were all first beginning to meet, um, at first we just basically got to know each other. We wouldn't get intimate at first, but we all explained kind of why we were there. And we would have like, uh, not activities, but we would end up writing uh, our intentions, what we plan to do, our goals, um, our, not morals, but like the themes that we held close to our hearts. And we all figured out the page that we wanted to be on and after we did that everything just set sail and the way that we were able to connect with each other us and the facilitators was something that personally i find really rare because there even though you know some of us are teens and others are like late 20s early 30s there was some common wavelength that we were on and i remember them telling us like there's almost nothing that you could ask or want to do that we would say no to. The support was something that I don't think anybody, I didn't even imagine. So after that, everything just went on from there and we started making art. We had our own exhibit, things like that. To speak more about CRY, CRY is actually a separate um, branch from a, a bigger organization, which is CRC. And that's with like the adult group. Uh, Cry is youth-based. Mostly run by three facilitators. Um, their names being Andrea, Bennett, Felicia, and Michelle. Uh, normally we'll just come in. Uh, we meet weekly. We used to meet bi-weekly um, for Monday meetings at around 4.30. We'd all get into uh, this place called Culture Works, located in PA. And we'd start with our early check-ins and slowly people would just like flow into the conversation more and more people would join we'd obviously um wait for more members to show up if some people didn't make it on time so to leave room for more conversation i think it's also good to mention the fact that we curated an exhibit last year and that was kind of our big project that we were working towards at least last year um it was held at little berlin and it's actually a year from now that it's been made but um that was kind of our outlet to put our out artwork out for the public to see and also just have more public engagement and let everybody know what Cry is 
Um, and since that point, we've had an application for like a new cohort, which are everybody else in this call. And it's been really amazing. Um, this past year, we've all kind of um, bonded through check-ins and just like getting to know each other really. And because of this virus, um, we've kind of put physical meetings on a hold, obviously, but to compensate for that, we've kept our meetings digital through Zoom. So I'm very lucky and very grateful that we have the technology to be able to meet and everybody's really dedicated that we are still able to meet weekly. For check-ins, we usually start all of our, or we do start all of our meetings with check-ins and it's kind of just a nice way to see where everyone's at that day and kind of what energy they're bringing. Um, and it makes, I don't know, I think it also uh, brings us closer too, because when you kind of hear about little snippets of people's week, um, you just get to know them a lot faster. Um, so we're gonna do one word check-ins uh, just for the sake of time. And we're gonna start with uh, Natalie. Sensational. Ew, my face looked weird. I was referencing future. <laughs> sensational. But yeah, sensational. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm here just chilling, breathing, you know, the usual. I'm excited. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm a little goofy right now. Uh, I feel okay. I'm really excited. Listen up and I'll tell a story. About an artist growing old Some would try for fame and glory Others aren't so bold Everyone and friends and family Saying, hey, get a job Why do you only do that only? Why are you so odd? We don't really like what you do. We don't think anyone ever will. It's a problem that you have. And this problem's made you ill. Listen up and I'll tell a story. About an artist growing old Some would try for fame and glory Others aren't so bold The artist walks alone Someone says behind his back He's got his gall to call himself that he doesn't even know where he's at. The artist walks among the flowers, appreciating the sun. He does this all his waking hours. 
But is it really so wrong? They sit in front of their TV Saying, hey, this is fun And they laugh at the artist Saying he doesn't know how to have fun best things in life are truly free. Singing birds and laughing bees. You got me wrong, says he. The sun don't shine in your TV. Listen up and I'll tell a story about an artist growing old. Some would try for fame and glory, others aren't so bold. Everyone and friends and family saying, hey, get a job. Why do you only do that only? Why are you so odd? like what you do we don't think anyone ever will it's a problem that you have and this problem's made you ill listen up and I'll tell a story about an artist growing old try for fame and glory others just like to watch the world So today on our first episode, we're talking about drug use and reality. And when we say drug use, we mean more like prescription and um, the things that we have been using to treat ourselves, if that makes sense. I don't want to say like the things that we use to self-medicate because that can be taken as a different way. We don't mean... um, drug abuse we mean drug usage um in the sense that it's prescribed to you or that is what you need to legitimately function not just cope if that makes sense um and on top of that we're also going to be talking about the reality of it so when i say that i mean our self-awareness while being on the drug our point of views on ourself and our identity and on the people around us and how we live with it and on top of that what kind of things do we endure or do we notice in ourselves that have an effect on our lives and vice versa to start maybe if anyone wants to jump forward and i don't know uh for those who are like currently on like a prescribed psychiatric drug if you don't mind like saying what it is and how long you've been on it for 
um, to start right now, I'm on uh, Lamictal or like Lamatrin, something like that. Um, and it's a mood stabilizer. I've been on it for, I think like three months maybe. And I think I'm about to add back on some Zoloft for anxiety because you need that right now. Um, uh, I don't know, whoever wants to go next. I am currently on Prozac and um, Vistaril, and this is actually like the first time I've been stable on medications for like a while, which is crazy. Yay! I am on Prozac. Um, I started on Zoloft, and that was last March, April wasn't good I switched over to Prozac and I started on 10, 10 milligrams and then I would cut in half and I would only take five and it was great I didn't need much um and then now uh well over the summer I got off I didn't take it for a few months because I switched therapists everything like that insurance money pharmacist everything like that and I started on it again um about two months ago and now I take actually 10 milligrams just flat like that so stereotypes versus reality. Um, I think in general, like there's, once you hear that somebody is on medication, you could be having a conversation with somebody and then when they open up to you and say, oh, I take this and this and this, um, or just this, um, I feel like the person that you're talking to just like pauses and just like reevaluates everything they think they know about you and it's like could I tell or could I not but what do you mean could you tell could you tell what and I feel like people don't realize that just because I take medication doesn't mean I don't function like a regular human being like that doesn't mean I'm a robot that doesn't mean like you have to watch what you're saying. You don't have to feel odd around me and you don't have to feel like I'm oversensitive or like it just makes you feel like everybody around you just doesn't even know how to handle you. And it's a really degrading, dehumanizing feeling, like constantly feeling like you're a burden just because you admitted that you take some medication. Um, so yeah, that's my point of view for stereotypes versus reality. What you said about uh, people like, like when it uh, it feels like degrading when people like assume that you like, needed to function or like you're without it um I think that that uh is that comes with um the conversation of like being medicated a lot like I've experienced that before like um people in my family or my friends telling me that I'm like acting crazy when I'm not on medication, making me feel like I needed it. And um, that, that, can really, that can really hurt a person really deep and it can honestly make you feel a little crazy, honestly. And I feel like um, it's not even just like other people. Sometimes it's doctors too that will like, they'll, they'll make like assumptions. Like they'll say like, you need this to be normal. Like, I've heard that before. A doctor said to me, you need this and then you'll be normal. And, like, that's that's really not how you say it. You should never say it like that. 
Like, I get what you mean and what you're trying to say, but as a doctor and as a therapist, you should know that that's not proper terminology. Yeah, it's not. And, like, um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like, when other people say, like, stuff like, this will make you normal or you're, like, acting crazy, you need this. Like, I don't. I don't need it. I mean, actually, okay. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm saying. It's, like, uh, you you can't make a person feel like they're like crazy without it you know what i'm saying i don't know if that makes any sense no um i agree with everything you said and i do believe that might be the most relatable um thing on this topic when it comes to like parents and medicine and that relationship because uh i forget honestly i forget the brand name um or medical sermon whatever you want to call it for what I used to take. Um, I'm still on it, but I just don't take it. It's for ADHD. I, I believe it's called like something with that. I have no idea. Anyways, not the point. Um, I usually get the, the, the thing that I encountered the most was, was mainly with my mom and my dad was also like supportive on that side with how her viewpoint on the whole, um, me taking my medication. I was kind of like neutral towards um, if I want to take it or not, I just was like, yeah, why not, I guess. But she would always hit me with the, hey, have you taken your medicine? And if I would reply no, she would say, yeah, I know you haven't because I can tell. I ask you because I know when you're not on it, you know what I mean? And it always like was so profound to me because I never, uh, I couldn't really tell um, when I was, if there was a difference one on the medicine and one not off the medicine where she claims she could see like a big difference in between like my behavioral patterns and just how I address certain things where I just carry myself in general and I can't really recall the last time I uh, took in my meds honestly so maybe I don't know but I still feel like uh me, I still feel authentically as Jay as I can be. Just with my experience, I don't really know if like I'm affected so much that I would even be able to notice. Maybe it's just a third person view that she would have to. Maybe like at the what I'm trying to say is like maybe she's right that I just can't pick up like what she's putting down. That there is a difference between like when I'm on my medicine consecutively, or and when I'm not. But I just haven't notice myself so yeah i just feel like with or without i'm the same um feeling yeah i I guess you know yeah i like i feel that a lot and i always feel super uncomfortable when people are especially my parents are like i don't know even like referencing that i take meds or are like oh did you take your meds today or especially like if I'm having a bad day and someone's like, did you take your meds today? Like, yeah, I took them, but I can still have bad days. Like it's not, it's not like a end all be all cure, which is really, I think hard for people to understand. And I definitely like, I don't know. I understand the feeling of just your parents saying like that they notice a difference because it kind of makes you feel insecure about how you are when you're not on them too. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me, like, I have a question for people who have taken meds, like, how does it make you feel about, like, yourself, and, like, are you being, I don't know, like, 
think a lot of people's goals in mind is is to try to be as true to myself as I can and like does that does it conflict with that idea for you so that's so that's actually like a really good question and I like I want to say the medicine I was on first so that there's like some background I was on Zoloft when I was in fourth grade up until last summer like the summer before this school year and you know that's a pretty long time you know and it was not only for anxiety but also depression but the thing is after a while I wasn't even depressed so I was on an antidepressant while I was have dealing with anxiety so every time I wasn't like every time I would skip a pill or like miss a day by accident or if like I went on a trip and I forgot my medicine my mom would always be like Mimi you're on a downward spiral like she would every time and like I just after a while I couldn't I couldn't even tell like if when I was on it if I was like even really being helped because when I wasn't on it like I couldn't really find like I couldn't I don't know like the whole downward spiral thing it made me feel like my true self was like this unhappy person and that the medicine was like giving me all this fake happiness you know because like my like my brain was like dependent on it like the the Zoloft became like a crutch, you know? So I felt like what I really needed to do to fix it, I guess, was completely stop taking the medicine, so I did. And that's when I learned, I had to learn how to cope on my own because I felt like the medicine was like taking the Mimi out of Mimi, you know? I'm really glad you said that because I think that answered so many questions and so many like, people that want to get on SSRIs or want to get off I think that's like validation for what they're thinking what they're feeling um I know that me personally I I my grandma says this one thing that just kind of like I'm like literally just the face I just made like that's how I I can't even say how it makes me feel but that's the face that I just make and she always says she's like you were such a happy kid and you were such a happy baby, like, you were cracking up all the time, like, you were a crackhead, and I don't know what, like, necessarily made her mind change, or, like, when it changed, but I know around 11, around 6th, 7th grade is when I started dealing with a lot of shit, and middle school, the middle school I went to was ass, um, I was, like, harassed, and on top of that, my friends were shit, and, I was going through a lot of stuff with my father and then so basically since age 11 I've I've had depression like that's what my therapist told me and they said I had ODD and things like that and I'm just sitting there like sorry I get really like I didn't have ODD I was just getting irritated as a side effect of the depression and being an Aries anyway um but so from ages 11 up until age 17 I wasn't on anything and then I was like you know what I need to figure something out because this is getting ridiculous. So last year is when I started Zoloft. And I remember the first week that I took it, I had, I couldn't go to school certain days. I was sleeping between 14 and 18 hours straight. I was, I didn't care about anything. I was just tired. I like couldn't, I did not care like in a nonchalant way. I just didn't care because I literally felt like I was half asleep all the time. And on top of that, it made me a lot worse. I spent my senior prom. It was great. It was fine. 
but some stuff happened and that night like because of Zoloft I was literally in the back of a car at 1 a.m using the safety pins off my dress to cut myself like to scratch and I have never done anything like that I never self-harm or anything and when I woke up the next day I was like I'm getting off this shit and so I took a break and I went on to Prozac and Prozac was a lot better Prozac I barely I took the lowest pill cut in half and I was also unemployed during the summer to help my family and it was still a really good summer because I woke up and I was just fine I didn't have those things those weights on my back and I like I didn't have I had awareness but also I was living in the moment of me feeling fine to the point where like I didn't think about awareness if that makes sense like I was just finally living and um then I got off of it because of the therapists and stuff like that. And that's when I noticed a switch. I was like, oh, shit. And the awareness kicked in and things like that. And I, part of me always argues with myself, like, why can't I just eat fruits, work out, be healthy, and do things naturally, just drink good tea, drink, eat well, and exercise dance make art and things like that and I'll everything is fine why can't I just be more disciplined why can't I like always beat myself up because I have to take these these pills and on top of that like the relationships that I make with people like let's say let's say I'm going out to make new friends with girls and stuff it's like it's cool like it is a feminine connection but with guys oh my god like I'm horrified of telling a guy that like hey I take because I feel like the moment that I do that, they stereotype me and they're like, oh, well, she's already an artist, one. She already kind of has an attitude. She's already intolerant. And now I just found out that she's taking meds. Like, this is crazy. Like, I can't deal with her. Like, I, because I'm also in a society where I'm supposed to be a nonchalant woman. And it's like, puts this pressure on me. So that's why I keep quiet about it. And it's just a whole whatever but on top of that how do you guys feel like it affects your relationship with people or what do you feel like you have to say or how do you have to reword things and what things do you try to avoid see like for me it was different uh i'm not prescribed any pills or i don't take any pills like y'all do but like for me when i was going through the surgery um i popped so many pills for the first couple of months where I would skip meals through the whole days. I, I've been through shit where I, I just felt so trapped. I, like, I've never been so trapped or, like, so so useless. And I, I, like, when I finally got up to, like, my crutches, I felt so self-confident, like, going out and seeing, like, people, like, seeing people interact with each other. Like, I just felt so weird about it. And I just, like, like I kind of wanted to break down every time I wanted to step out the crib. And I really never wanted to go out the crib unless y'all uh the meetings i go to which was y'all's because that's the place where i really felt um felt secure about myself because i can actually express what i'm actually going to say or actually like how like how um like i, I just been going through it for real like this hasn't happened to me in a while and usually i'm the one that's usually doing things and now that everybody saw me like at the lowest the lowest point of my of my teenage years, they were like, damn, this thing, he going through it. And everybody was like, oh, hurt. 
and like especially my mom now that she has the virus I, I'm the one that's gonna take care of her but like she like nobody has really seen me all the way down to that hole that I've been or like how like fucked up mentally and physically I really was because I, I didn't even know how, how to like express myself to like somebody or like how to like not order food but I was like so timid of myself and then like I was just not afraid but I was just scared to talk to people again and socialize again because I got start all over again and I haven't been to school since like January so next year I really don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do so it's like like next year I'm gonna be like I really don't care who's in my life for real because I'm gonna be doing bigger and better things than they are and yeah how how it affected me like personally is that I was trapped and I feel like I couldn't get out, but like then I realized no pain equals no gain. So I came out so much, like right now where I am, it's like I'm chilling. Like I'm I'm okay. Like I'm I'm here. I'm I'm finally doing things, and I'm finally back on my feet. And just talking with y'all, I feel not like when I when I was with, like to, like going towards the meetings and showing up in the wheelchair, like. Like that shit kind of killed me because I'm like, damn, I can't really move or do anything. Like, like I can't like, like walk between that little hallway between the gallery, and like, or get like some food. Like I really wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't like ask for anything. Oh my god, but it's, I was so stuck. And I know everybody was trying to be nice, but I was like, nah, man, I gotta get out of this, man. Like every time I went, I went back home. I was like, I was always sobbing on my way back home because I couldn't. Like I was, I like I've never been so quiet before. Like that's that's the quietest I ever been in my life. Cause I'm usually the lightest in the room, but like now that I'm quiet, I'm gonna be quieter even next year when everybody sees me again, and everybody's telling me that I've changed. But I don't see that cause I, I like I be telling my personal friends, and and my one girlfriend, and everybody's like. And you overcame this in a matter of four months. How are you standing like this? Or how are you stable like this? It's like, you just gotta, you just gotta say, fuck it and go. I just keep on stepping for real. And that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, like what you said about like your more personal friends. Um, like, I don't know, Michael, for you, like when you were going through this, like, I know. I don't know. I feel like the way I act with people I don't know is like what shifts the most when I'm on different meds or like on different whatever. But when, but like the people who know me really well, it's like kind of a smaller difference, I feel like. Something I've been hearing a lot um, is just the idea of like the idea of taking drugs, like kind of manifests you as a person and that's what people perceive you as. And I think it's also good to like note that like we're all teens and like this like pressure to like prescribe us drugs to like cope with like mental health um disabilities might like it's scary to like go through alone and like it's very scary to like use it like especially without like being in a situation where your parents don't support you or like people just look down on you and just like see you for your uh, the medications that you take, but don't see you as an actual person. So I guess um, one. Oh my God! Retweet. <laughs> retweet. Yeah. yeah. Retweet. 
Yeah. So one question I had for everybody um, who's been involved in like situations like these, um, what is something you thought health professionals could have done better in regards to drugs and mental health? Don't assume I want to be on psychiatric drugs just because I tell you I'm depressed. I feel like so sorry. I feel like so many psychiatrists and therapists just like that's like the first thing. And I know that there's this method where they'll prescribe it and they can't, you can't get it refilled until I mean unless you are still going to therapy and I get that and that's more responsible. But I know so many people that, for example, Mimi, you were in fourth grade when they prescribed you medication. Yes, indeed. I, like, I personally, I didn't know you then. And I bet there's a bunch of people in the world that do really need it when they're that young. But at the same time, what on earth makes a fourth grader depressed in the sense that they have to be on medication? Why couldn't... I gotta take my cough drop out. Why couldn't adults realize that something in this child's environment needs to be changed? Why was medication so quick to be jumped to? And why that was it the first option? Hmm? Why was it the first option? Right. Why? 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 Why is that the first option? And then on top of that, if somebody says yes to that option because they don't feel as if there's any other option why are they judged for it and why is nobody talking about any other alternatives and ways to use this drug if you really need it in a responsible way rather than just saying like dope yourself up so yeah there's that well doctors they just want to hand out drugs like it's candy willy-nilly like i get that it's like in some cases it's valid like people really do need certain things to like cope or like just to just to like get by because sometimes you you're barely like even like floating like sometimes you're like your head is like right above the water just barely and you really need that to help you float but like i've literally seen like even on even on tv just everywhere it's so normalized to just be like i'm depressed okay here take this and and it's like that's it oh okay like i i saw that that was actually like in something i was watching one day i don't know it's tv but like it imitates life to an extent and like a lot of people they you know they not everyone like pills aren't for everybody you know sometimes there's like other stuff like there was like sometimes it takes like field work you know like going out and doing something like drinking hot chocolate or like just giving yourself a day to cope you know not just a day however long you need to cope you know but um i forget what the question was I, I, like, I was talking about, um, that, I don't know, some article or, like, story that was popular a little while ago about a kid, and he was super depressed, um, and his mom, instead of putting him right on meds, like, took him out of school and just, like, hung out with him for, like, a month straight or something, and then he was a lot better, um, and I, I wish that there was just, like, more options for kids in that way like I feel like if a fourth grader is like I'm depressed like it's it's definitely something like that I mean it could be chemical but like it you should at least try to like find every other option before that and I feel like it's just like a lot easier of a thing to just give someone pills instead of talking to them 
I think the, this will be quick. I think the problem, again, with taking just like automatically like here and take some pills, it's like a person, like this is like from my real life experience, like I've experienced this myself, you can get so reliant on them that you can't even function without them. And that's the problem. Like maybe, maybe it's not even the pills themselves. Maybe it's like your dosage or like how long you've been taking them. But like, or just, I don't know, the fact that you like, feel like if you don't have them you you won't be okay like it's it's like a, it's a crutch you know and um it's it's like a slippery slope like the longer you're on it and like like the worse it can be for you you have to be able to to find a way to cut it off sometimes and lean off of it which is why just going straight to pills isn't always the best option So just touching off based on what the two of you said, um, I guess I'm just kind of wondering, like, besides drugs, like, what are all other alternatives to, I guess, mitigating um, the effects of mental health? I think, like, the people you're around a lot. Like, when you're young, especially, like, I mean, I started going to, like, therapy and, like, seeing a therapist at, like, the end of middle school. And it was, like, because my middle school situation was, like, so shit. Like, I, like, resonate with you, Nat, when you're saying, like, getting harassed and, like, having multiple friends. Like, that was, like, that was middle school. <laughs> and, and I feel like if I hadn't been in that environment, I, I mean, I think I still would have struggled because of just, like, although I can recognize a lot of it has to do with, like, things that have happened to me, I can also know that, like, in my head, I think I'm just like, not like wired differently, but there are just like some things that probably still would have come up for me and like I would have struggled with anyway. But I think like the people you're around can really, really affect it. And definitely like school and stuff. Um, Cause like my anxiety is bad, but it's definitely worse because I'm like in high school and stuff. Um, so yeah. Under the deeper into uncertainty The unknown has shown grace But yet the third degree Lessons from the truth moves closer So can you pay the fee? From A to B Cascade brain and I hate to be Voice of the last starfighter I am Esquire Shape of my skull beholds I am the star child sightless Going beyond the song timeless Right righteous But what's left is really priceless Treat me how you wanna be But suddenly you're hunting me Yes the sky is falling Chicken little Don't you love to be? Screaming out the obvious But never saying help me Just too much to handle in the world now we melting save it to the heart to drive and count the stars until i cry flowers in the final view the world is ending come inside graceful when we gone the earth will ride a fable seas will rejoice in the skies arise faithful sun still sets and the buildings will still crumble meek inherit the earth the comfort of the humble just setting the moon come closer i hug you say i love you right before the sky tumbles Put it in the atmosphere, raise it up until we're here Touching on the face of God, maybe now he's gonna hear Joy coming in the morning, most of us will shed a tear Looking at the final act, hoping that we hold it dear Put it in the atmosphere, raise it up until we're near Touching on the face of God, maybe now he's gonna hear Joy coming in the morning, most of us will shed a tear Looking at the final act, hoping that we hold it dear Mission of the schism, a mighty key in the wisdom Put it to the chamber and let it go to the rhythm I'm moving to the 
solution and break it out of the prison world full of wonder i wonder if i will live it full to my abilities with super high fidelity put it to the tide of life but still it's just an elegy screaming to the closest cloud and watch it as it's coming down sun setting in the morning while the moon is just the ground crazy i'm learning that you're about to have a baby two coming together forming a better maybe raising the glass feeling the feeling so amazing like music playing while the sky is fading praying for safety Quiet in a deeper soul, speaking through the notes and told deeper meanings of being dedication on one accord. Let's begin measure of the moment till the world ends. Space between the breath is eternity as the earth spins. Smile as a child do, listening to mother's tunes. Weight is on my shoulders, but its color is a shade of blue. Put it in the atmosphere, raise it up until we near. Touching on the face of God, maybe now he's gonna hear. Joy coming in the morning, most of us will shed a tear. Looking at the final act, hoping that we hold it dear. Put it in the atmosphere, raise it up until we near. Touching on the Face to God, maybe now he's gonna hear Joy coming in the morning, most of us will shed a tear Looking at the final act, hoping that we hold it dear remember and in, in middle school just as an example it was like seventh grade and me and this girl that was like my friend like we were like playing around and she had hand sanitizer on it and she was pretending that she was going to squeeze it on me I really have sensitive hands even now and hand sanitizer burns my hands I have cracks in them I didn't want it I hated hand sanitizer I was like what the f-? and so like I like I pushed her but not like a pushed it was more like a, you know, like, and she was like a sneakerhead, and like I was like trying to get her to back up, and I put my foot out, and it like basically got on her on her sneaker. I literally had that entire bottle of hand sanitizer thrown into my eyes, my mouth, my nose, like every hole in my face had hand sanitizer in it, and I just stood there like this for like five minutes, and like I was just being stared at. Nobody helped me nothing like I was just like and it was when classes were transitioning and this girl that I kind of stopped being friends with she came in and she helped me to the bathroom on the way out dude there was a line for the next class to come in three people were like oh my god she's always fucking crying everybody like everybody 
everybody and on top of that like because of stuff like that I wouldn't want to participate in things I was never like doing group assignments or anything I had two three friends in high in middle school and that's it so my entire school just knew me as that person and the whole time I had an entire bottle of hand sanitizer in my whatever like I, I could have been poisoned so it was just shit like that and it's like no wonder people are the way they are today you know and it's like why is nobody teaching kids how to be more humane but that's that's another thing I remember in middle school um we had like my school is actually pretty nice with talking about mental health and they're trying their hardest as like much as it might like actually do they're trying and I remember in middle school we had our guidance counselors come in and do like a presentation on mental health and if the kids needed help like this is what they can do and I was in therapy since I was like really little because my mom has like like mental illness you know and um she just knew what it would be best for me anyways so one of the things that they were asking is what can you do to help like when you're feeling down and I'm like talk to a therapist and people laughed at me for that people like actually went out of their way and were like ah, therapist are you psycho are you psycho oh my god <laughs> and i don't know it's just the whole stigma of everything <laughs> what <laughs> bitch i'm both <laughs> yeah it's true. And psycho. And psycho. <laughs> but like just the whole stigma of getting help for something that is as important as like your physical health is just baffling it's just truly baffling to me yeah. <laughs> yeah and like I hate the way like I feel like when because when you're like at school or whatever and you're like I'm sick like I'm gonna throw up everyone's like all right like go go away like go throw up like go be like physically sick somewhere else but if like to say to a teacher like I can't do this right now because like I'm like gonna have a panic attack or like I'm like you know I'm really struggling with something and I need to yeah go away go throw up yeah <laughs> like I need to I need like a minute to collect myself or, or you're like I can't come to school today because like I need a mental health day it just is crazy to me like I feel like all the teachers and adults I know like when I say something like that I suddenly have to like explain my entire mental health to them just to th for them to like validate that I can like take a step back for a second and I think that's like the unfair part to like to explain it to someone, you they expect you to tell them your entire life story, and that isn't something you would do if you're like, oh, I broke my arm. Like, you wouldn't have to tell them about your, like, childhood trauma. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so, it's such BS. A lot of, like, schools and teachers, they don't have, like, like, they just, they just don't care. Like, they don't have things in place to help students who have, like, other needs. Like, this, like, senior year, like, I, I never had this problem before. But when senior year came, all of a sudden I had like this like burst of anxiety and I could barely stay in class for like a minute without feeling like I had to leave every single day. And like, I, uh, I, had a, I have a 504 plan. I don't know if people know what that is, but basically it's just like, to, it's just like extra help sometimes. Like I have um, like uh, bathroom breaks, like I can leave and go to the bathroom whenever I want if I need to like gather myself. I can get extra time on tests, just like stuff like that to help me because I needed it. Um, but like, I remember this one specific time, freshman year, I didn't have a 504 plan yet because no one like, no one was like, no one was willing to help me, you know? 
my parents didn't really know about it because you know they're they hadn't been in high school for like over a decade they don't whatever but like there was no one was willing to help me or stop and ask me like why like why are you struggling and I would always ask for extra time on my biology test because they were really hard and everyone everyone in that class knows they were hard because it made them hard on purpose and I remember one day I asked for extra time and he said to me he said this is getting really old Mimi and that shit really fucking hurt me like I just felt like I was a burden you know and I feel like a lot of kids like with mental health problems can it's easy to feel like you're a burden or like you have nowhere to go like school be hard bro it do be hard and like when there's nothing in place to help people with their with their issues it's like you just sometimes you don't even feel like a person you know and that shit that shit fucking hurts it do be hurt. um going off on that um alana i just kind of wanted to ask like what are your impressions of drug use um and how it's perceived in the world of mental health especially in a school environment going back to the topic it really sucks because my school we talk about mental illness but like just depression and just adhd and ADD, and it's it's really sucky because lucy we don't even do the thing that your school do does we don't even talk about solutions we we just like memorize the definitions of these illnesses and then move on, which is really messed up, especially for people who have to suffer through these things and feel like kind of ostracized because of it. They don't even have a place in those like health classrooms now because you're leaving them out of it. But, um, but yeah, I think another thing is with like the school environment talking about like um, people's mental capabilities is that they talked about it for us but the solution was never drugs like in our health class the only time we talked about drugs was as a bad thing so like drug abuse and um, yeah and so like that's what I always viewed it as like if you're taking drugs you must be abusing them and that was like a really bad mindset that I had for a really long time. But like, and I don't have it now, but sometimes I, I still think like maybe that's the reason that I always like shied away from it, that whenever doctors offered it as a solution, I just flat out said like, no, I, I can't possibly do that. And why it seems like such a, such a bad idea for me. Um, so I think like that school environment, people like, it's really important, but people just sleep on it. And it's like, you're affecting this kid's entire life, like how they view drugs their entire, well, like at least like how they un unconsciously like view drugs their entire life. And so I think like people should be taking it more seriously. Yeah, I think that's like a true thing. Like when you're in high school and middle school, whatever, like school is such a big part of your life. And like, you're there, honestly, like, pretty much this, like, you kind of cut your time from your house and your school, like, it's kind of 50-50 in a way, or even, like, more at school, I feel like, and I think for, for all school, your socializations, yeah, 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 and for, like, a school to not recognize, like, that part of a person is, is crazy, um, and I feel like, like, personally, I feel like when I get older, I'm not gonna take meds, like, I, I hope I don't, 
because I think that I can, like, I know that I'm going to be okay when I can make my own choices. Like, I think that is, like, a lot of my, like, issues is not being able to make my own, like, choices about my life and what I do. Um, But it's hard because I feel like I'm kind of forced to take drugs now to just kind of, like, because I'm in school, which is, like, awful. What about with, um, like, quarantine and stuff? Like, how has been using it now been different, if it's been different than when we're not? Like, when I finally got back on my feet, my friends were like, yo, yo let's go smoke. Like, All right, cool, let's go. Like, we went, we went, and if it was, it felt good, because, like, my mind was, like, I was so relaxed, and, like, it was just, like, like, I was finally feeling, like, better. And, and like, it just, like, relaxed. That's why I felt, like, relaxed. Just take your time, bro. It's, like, one step at a time. But then I was, like, it was, like, every week, not every day. I'm, like, yo, you got to chill. And I feel you. It was, like, it's, like, a craving. But it's, like, yo, you got to calm that shit down. Yeah. Nah, but I, I yeah, it was, yeah, I feel you. I do feel you on that one. I, uh, I, with quarantine and stuff, so actually, I got re-prescribed Prozac, like, right on time. And I got it re-prescribed March 14th. I had it, like, a few days later. And so I was taking that, and then I also switched to online schooling because I go to UArts. And UArts is a basically all-encompassing art school. And so... All my assignments got put on there and things like that. And then I was I was doing fine and things like that. And then because like each day in quarantine just seemed like one long thing, no segment, no like days of the week. It was just one. I, I imagine it as a tube. I don't know why. I just do like fiber optics, the way light just goes through a tube. Like that's just how I look at it. And after that, like I, as an artist, I just felt like, okay, great. I just had, we all, like, all of, all of Cry was awarded, um, well, the, the people that were from last year were awarded by the state of Pennsylvania. We had our banquet canceled, our ceremony canceled. I was in a, a team photo program that, uh, 10-year photo exhibit got canceled. I made a sculpture at school, and my teacher wanted to photograph it and put it on our page. That got, blown out of proportion I couldn't even go pick up the sculpture like back to back so many things got canceled and I no longer had access to a studio I was no I was no longer living in the sense that made me survive and so I don't know like just taking the Prozac was just like I stopped for like a week and I had um Adderall and I was like fuck it this one that's that's what we're gonna do because I had like I had a drawing that took me 24 hours and so I was doing that and on top of that my family is so high functioning that like my depression makes me fall behind and I can't afford to tell them I don't feel like it like I'll get my ass beat and so I had to use that and I had to self-medicate and I had to do so much shit on top of that I got the news that my grandmother's like stage four lung cancer was that's it. I went and I was able to visit her. And hearing all that information while, one, I was on withdrawal from Prozac. Two, I was self-medicating. Three, that. Okay, this is a bomb, but she died actually early this morning. 
um, at midnight and I don't want anybody to be like, it's, it's life and I'm okay. Um, but what I'm saying is like having all those things on quarantine, have it going on at the same time withdraw and things like that. It just made everything feel like a whoosh, like it's not real, like a haze. And it made me punish myself more. I like Arden said, like, when you're an adult, you don't imagine being on drugs, not, not being on drugs. I mean, like, like being prescribed medication and taking it. And it's like, it made me think like, am I really that person? Am I really capable of that? So it's just been a reality check. So for, like every single day in a different way. It's some days I feel like I'm here. I can feel my skin. Other days I'm like blinking in slow motion and that's it. That was really long. Sorry guys. But yeah, that's the quarantine is just making everything seem like not. I don't have the words. It's just messing with everything. The sun goes down and the moon comes up I turn into a teenage gugumuck Yeah, I cruise through the city and I roam the streets I'm looking for something that is nice to eat You better die when I show up
think that was a good closing statement um, to transition into debriefing. Um, I guess I just wanted to ask everyone how they feel now knowing what we discussed and just like anything that anybody has learned or has really opened anybody's minds. I feel a lot more educated. So like, as I said, I'm not really getting that education from school. Like I get it from my friends and everything, but it's really limited. So I'm really glad we had this conversation just to know like how you guys feel and like that, how you guys have like an issue sometimes with not feeling yourself while you're on drugs or only feeling yourself when you're on drugs or sorry, when you're using like medication. And um, yeah, I just, I think it's just really interesting to learn about and it's something that should be talked about more often. For me, it's like, if, like what you guys told me right now, it's like, oh, I take medicine. I'm be like, okay, it is what it is. We all bleed, we all cry, we all, we all breathe, we all, we all go through it, man. It's like, shit, what can you do? But it at the same time, each of us are blessed to be lucky enough to have this level of understanding and to be educated in this way. And the fact that, like, each of us have has a demographic, each of us has some kind of statistic or some kind of obstacle or some kind of component in the equation that could alter that. And the fact that we all, like, overcame that and are able to talk about this, because it's true. Each one of us, like, hearing that, whether it's from one of each other or another person, to us, it's nothing. But to people, like, to our families with, like, the generational gap and things like that, to our families who are, like, immigrants and to our families that have went through other things and just, like, had to muster it, like, it creates this language barrier. It creates this mental gap. It creates these things. So us, us being able to talk to each other about it, us being normalized about it, we're really lucky. And I feel like not that it's our responsibility that we owe to other people. It's a kind of a responsibility that we owe to ourselves because each of us were not as educated as we are today or as we were yesterday. And we kind of owe it to ourselves to make sure other people are able to have that kind of enlightenment if that makes sense like just for their own personal benefit but not to try and fix them or fix every problem or every miscommunication or everything that we come across that we're like this is like wrong does that make sense so i'm just really happy to be with you guys and that this whole podcast or everybody that's gonna listen everybody who takes the time to listen to all of us talk because you know it's a little long but it's worth it. Appreciate you. Um, to close off, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who's listening that might be struggling with taking medication or I guess the societal pressures of taking medication? Um, that it's okay. Like that the, it's okay. Oh, okay. Suck me then. Oh, go ahead, Ari. Oh, well, let's talk No, no, you go. You go. It's fine. Go ahead. I think that, we need to clarify this. Just help me me talk. She don't mean it. That it's okay to not be perfect. You know? Like, y'all go through it every day. So. The advice that I wanted to give was that um, if you're being offered 
medication, like straight up, and you're not sure about it. You know, there are so many other ways to, to cope and to get better. It's not always just medication. But, you know, sometimes it is. Sometimes you need it. But, like, just make sure that you know what you want to do because there's a different way to heal for everybody. Yeah, I'd like to follow that up. Sorry, Nat. I think, like, if someone's offering you medication, like, make sure they're meeting you on your terms and you're not meeting them on theirs. Like, if they don't know the answer and they're trying to give you this as the answer, like, make sure that you don't know the answer, too. And, like, you're you're both, like, I don't know, you want to try it. And it's not just that, like, someone is tired of talking to you or tired of trying to figure out what's wrong. Also, um, I think the pressure to make a decision is something that actually adds to making the decision. If that makes sense, like the pressure to to figure it out is kind of what will push someone to make a decision. And I feel like it's because all of us have this notion that happiness is the goal or to function is the goal. And we don't really let ourselves truly figure it out because everything feels like it's being timed. Everything feels like it's being robbed from us. Everything just feels like I have to make a decision. I have to know. You don't. And on top of that, this is something that people look at as like a mistake or as like a decision that will alter everything. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But trust your gut, even if you feel like you don't have a gut. It's okay to take this slow. It's okay to be patient with it. It's okay to ask questions. And it's okay for people to disagree with you and things like that. At the end of the day, it's you, it's your life. And you just need to, whatever decision you make, be confident in it. And it's okay if that takes time. Okay, I think that's it for um, Debrief. This has been the end of our first podcast. Thank you for everyone listening. Uh, we just want to give a few shout outs to everyone who made this possible and who helped us with advising us and just setting everything up. So, Alana can start. Um, I would like to thank the larger Creative Resilient Collective. I want to thank the Velocity Fund for funding this program and giving us financial stability and making this happen in the first place. I would like to thank the slot uh, for um, giving us a place to host our meetings. So I want to thank Martina for not only being a mentor to me specifically, but also for being a, a connector for everyone else in the group. Yeah, look at that. Look, I got this because I heard. Yes. I, I would like to shout out Raz Cutlass, Marshamani. You go, girl. I would like to shout out the listeners to this podcast. And I would love to shout out Bennett and Andrea and my photo mom Michelle and Felicia the goat because y'all great and we love you and Felicia I'm sorry that I thought you were like 17 at first because you're not you're a real grown woman and y'all beautiful and I love you guys we love you guys and yeah for um wait, we wait. also need to shout out Andre for making oh, yes. oh, yes. oh yeah, Andre. Oh yeah, shout out to the king. Yeah, shout out. Stream all his songs, y'all. Yeah, my man's can sing. My man's can sing. Check out his Insta. This has been our first episode of our first podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you join us next time. We do a collective bye. <laughs>